Good evening, Doug. Oh, good evening, Karen. Hello. Hello. Hello, Hello listeners. Happy Shelter in Place, Volume Twelve Hundred. Um, we're now in May. Welcome to May. Yeah, it is May. No, Cinco de Mayo, to be specific. We are recording on Cinco de Mayo. Um, and uh, who? We've all well, been sheltering. <laughs> yeah, the sheltering continues. Um, I have things to say about the next episode we have here on the block. Okay, well, good, because we are on uh, season four, episode 25, The Burning Sofa, which I assume was a play on The Burning Bed. Yeah, is it The Burning Sofa or The Burning Couch? It is The Burning Sofa. Oh, oh. no, it's The Burning Couch. I'm sorry. I mean, semantics, it's not like it's different. Just, just checking on things. But yeah, so that's one of the three things I was going to say, which is that is a play on The Burning Bed, and I feel obligated to describe it for those who may not know that that is a reference to a very popular TV movie from the 80s starring Farrah Fawcett about uh, an abused wife who set her husband's bed on fire with him in it to get away from him. That was so. my mother's favorite TV, like, epi- like, my mom never watched TV, but she watched The Burning Bed, and all she did was talk about it. That was a, it was a big deal. She may have even, I think she was nominated for a Globe for it. Probably was, probably Um, was. It was a huge deal at the time. It was a very big deal. And I always wondered if my mom, it was like wishful thinking. I mean, if she kept coming back to it and coming back to it. Yeah, like she was like, oh, could I burn my husband in the bed? That would be exciting. Um, so yeah, so, um, uh, oh, that's, that's a siren. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, I like tune it out. <laughs> I know. I'm like, holy shit! It's a COVID nineteen siren. Um, yeah. So the burning bed. Yes. So I'm, I was assuming it was a play on that, and it indeed was. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say is that this episode is the first of multiple Melroses to be directed by Anson Williams, aka Potsy from Happy Days. Uh, so we have a lot of seventies and eighties uh, TV callbacks going on in this episode so did Anson Williams did he like change like, did he become a director a tv director was that his thing or did they were like they like threw him a bone no I think he kind of transitioned his career in the late 80s um to tv directing primarily and did I don't think do he a did a lot of um I think he did a lot of like individual TV show episodes and then some TV movies as well. Gotcha, but nothing where he was like Ryan Murphy or like no, or, nothing know. where he was like the showrunner or like a show creator or a star. Director. I think he was like sort of like a go-to uh, day player of, of directors. Um, is show- not really known for it publicly, but probably within the industry, pretty well regarded. Is, is showrunner like a newish thing that came out in the past 10, 15, 20 years? It, it's exactly in that time frame, And I know okay. why, because when I was in high school, in my head, I knew that what I always wanted to do was be someone who creates and writes for a show and who has like the whole framework in mind so that you knew like stuff that happened in the first season, you wanted it to pay off in season four, season six, season seven. But I had no way to articulate any of that because I did not hear it, read it, see it anywhere. That term did not exist. It really was born in like the mid 2000s when, when people started to really pay attention to things like um, Lost and then Sopranos and, and Mad Men, Breaking Bad, that, that sort of thing. Right. The, the, 
the new generation of peak TV kind of gave birth to that term. Well, Melrose Place could have used a showrunner <laughs> that pulled different because once they could again, have used the Bible. yes. They definitely could have used a Bible because once again, we are confronted with characters doing things wildly out of character in this episode, just this episode alone, and it was making me absolutely crazy. Um, yeah, I get, yeah, there's just so much inconsistency going on here. So, I mean, we might as well just start with Matt because why not? Um, he got a little bit more screen time. Um, we, it looked like we had what last, uh, last episode, it looked like we kind of had the end of the story. Um, you know, the character arc, uh, between Alan and Matt, um, when Matt left Alan at the altar so he could marry, go through with his sham heterosexual marriage. Um, but surprise, um, we have a new wrinkle. Yeah. A wrinkle in Matt time. Yeah. So we haven't seen the last of Alan. Guess what? Yeah, there's more. There's more. Um, and so, but once again, David, remember Ugh. David, the hospital guy who started out as the sort of clean cut, I just, gosh, gee, I want to be your friend, Matt. And, like there, and, and a then, shoulder to cry on. Yeah. You know, I want to be your bud and a shoulder to cry on. And all of a sudden t- turned into the, like this scheming, jealous lover. Yeah. I mean, I almost wish it had gone in that direction. So it could be a bit more interesting, but either way, it's a, it's, you know, a betrayal of the David we had been introduced to for the last five or six episodes. Right. Um, And it's, and and it was just like a real lack of commitment in this character. Like they had absolutely, they just weren't going to commit him to being one way or the other. So instead we get this real confusion about who this guy is. I mean, and so basically what we're talking about here is that, you know, David runs into Matt at the hospital and talks about how he heard what happened at Alan's wedding. I, I don't know how he heard. Apparently, it did I mean, stay out of the tabloids. It's like, it's always unclear just how big a name Alan has become overnight on this soap. Right. Like, is he someone they're still trying to build up, or is he someone half of America is tuning into? Um, because his life is too transparent then for any of these secrets in the first place. But yeah, so David... <laughs> David has has heard about the the lavender wedding and Matt walking off, which again weird, but whatever. And he and he actually suggests that that Matt go to the tabloids and out Alan. Right. And this would have never happened with you know with the David that we met at the very beginning of the season when they brought this character in. Or like probably would never have happened with any social worker. <laughs> I know, right? I, <laughs> I should hope not. But yeah, that's exactly what David suggests to Matt, which will come back to Matt later on when something else happens. But yeah, right? Because our favorite nurse, we love her. What you said that you said this nurse will keep coming up again. Who was? Yeah, that? We, see, we love we, her. We do love her. It's either Nurse Amy or Nurse Anne or Nurse Annie. I can't remember I think now. It's nurse but... Annie. She looks like an Annie, okay. not an Amy. Yeah, I think Amy seems younger to me, that's why. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> anyway, good old Nurse Annie um, is holding a tablet. It's sort of like the next scene with Matt, right? She's holding a tablet at her desk and going, oh, Matt's not going to like this. And then, of course, Matt comes by and she shows him the paper. And on the cover of this, I mean, it's literally called like National Tabloid or something like that. Um, it shows the photo of uh, he and Alan that was that was squashed. Remember that photo that yeah, they took in the front one, of the, the dance? One. 
cooperative media person. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, that, that photo was squashed and, um, and yet there it is on the cover of the tabloid and it ultimately outs Alan. It's a hug. I don't know how it outs him, but there you go. In, in, in Melrose world, it outed him. It's enough. And of course we assume that David has gone to, uh, the press that David is the culprit. Cause remember when Matt spent the night with David, David was the one that did that call in to, to, um, to Alan, to Alan, to tell Alan, you know, that sort of anonymous call, like you better ask where your boyfriend was last night. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's your boyfriend. He wasn't last night. So, so we, so we can only assume that he has tipped off the tabloids Except, lo and behold, knock, knock, knock. Guess who's at the door at Matt's place with his tail between his legs? It's it's Alan. Alan. It's Alan. And he came back from his honeymoon in Hawaii because he decided that it was a sham and his marriage was a sham and he outed himself. Yeah, and he had the support and the encouragement of, uh, what's her name? Jerry Lynn Ryan. I forget her name right now. But she was like, no, you have to do this. Um, you love him. And so Alan actually planted the story outing himself. Right. And to get Mac back, to get Matt back. And he he has since been fired from the soap opera. So once again, Matt has an out of work actor sleeping on his couch. (laughs) (laughs) You see how everything is a cycle. It's all cyclical. It all comes back to the out of work actor sleeping on your couch. True. But again, the messaging here is, if outed, you will be fired. <laughs> if outed, you'll be sleeping on Matt's couch. Um, but that's kind of how they left it. They really did leave it hanging, like literally with like, you know, Matt's jaw on the floor. Um, and and we don't know what's going to happen to that relationship. Will will Matt forgive him and take him back? Um, I My money's on, he probably will. Um, although, uh, you know, the writers surprise us. They do. Every, every week. Every week, the writers (laughs) surprise us. So who knows? Um, okay. Who are we digging into next? Okay. Here's my request. This was the other, other thing I wanted to bring up. I, I so hate the Amanda, Bobby, Peter, Alicia thing. Can we just talk about it now and get it out of the way? Well, yeah, we're almost over, right? We're, we're almost done. Um, per, uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, we're, we're almost through it. We're almost through it, guys. Yeah. I mean, basically, like, Bobby is still behaving like a bore. Um, you know, again, he's acting like his abusive brother rather than the Bobby we've come to know well, through this whole yes, season. Yes, but, and we should also pick up from the beginning so we find out what happened with Peter in the hospital. But, um, here's, oh, right. here's the thing. Um, Bobby has been set up and he's kind of got, like, tail wagging between his legs he wants amanda back doesn't want amanda to be with peter but he's basically not said hey i've been set up i didn't do anything wrong he's basically like tacitly acknowledging it like yeah i got caught doing something but he didn't get he never did anything wrong in the first place yeah it is very bizarre how he is not fighting for his innocence right he's fighting for amanda but he's not fighting for himself essentially right um so, so let's just start in the beginning at the hospital. Okay. Peter's not dead. <laughs> Where we left off last episode, Peter and Bobby had a scuffle, and Pete, and Bobby, I guess, threw Peter off the balcony at Melrose Place, and Peter is not dead. In fact, Peter just has a sprained wrist and a, and a mild concussion. And a, and a mild concussion, and yet he's, like, up and walking around the hospital immediately anyway. Right. 
And that's where we have the showdown, basically, between Alicia and Amanda. They are waiting it out for news about Peter, and they're, like, literally having a face-off in the, in the, in the waiting room. Yeah, but it's not even, like, a fun face-off. No. It's not, it's not even, like, both of them are reading each other well or anything. It's just, hey... I like Peter. Hey, you better watch out. Like, kind of like that. Yeah, and basically, like, Michael has to intervene a little bit because Peter is like, tell them both that I'm in x-ray and I'm going to be a long time and they should go home. And yeah, Peter, mild, Peter, mildly concussed though he is, hiding in a stairwell, beckoning for Michael, who happens to be <laughs> who nearby, to, be to cover by. for him. <laughs> like, like, they're, like they're in high school and he's hiding out in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. yeah which is basically not that far from the truth. Yeah, um, I mean, like, Saved by the Bell has done shenanigans better than this right now. <laughs> so, Alicia and Amanda are not budging. And interestingly enough, though, they never once again carry this through. So we can only assume that Alicia and Amanda have been at the hospital, are still at the hospital. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess we could like that. Yeah, because they never, they never, they never showed them. They just said we're never leaving until Peter gets in. We never see Peter confronting them at the hospital. We never see it, right? Do we see that? I don't think we do. Um, we see them later on, but we never see them confront Peter. No, right? We we never see Peter come out of the hospital room. We never see Peter like see them in the hospital if they're waiting for him. Something ha- like. What no, like, when he I don't out? know we when they ever know. found out that, by the way, this patient you both came in to see has left the building. Yeah, we never Could he sneak that. out? Yeah, we don't know. We have no idea. Could he get past them? I mean, I guess he works at the hospital. He probably knows the back alley entrances and exits, Well, he, right? knew, he knew how to get Amanda out of D&D so that none of the press could find her using stairs. So I right guess he just found the yeah. magic stairs at the... Uh, the hospital too. He threw on his invisibility cloak and walked right past them. I mean, it was so I just, I just felt like that was so strange. Like they set this whole thing up for I'm not leaving. Well, me neither. And then they don't do anything with it. Yeah, that's exactly right. But it's just like one opportunity lost after another. Right. So, well, you know, there you go. And, um, oh, oh, and by the way, also the cops are there. So, um, they need to take, Peter's statement. So he is kind of tied up. Um, but that's not the excuse he wants them to use. He, he wants the old, I'm an extra excuse. Right. So the cops are there taking a statement because he is going to press charges against Bobby. Uh, yeah, rightly so. And rightly so. Um, so we probably need to now tie in Sid and all of that. Yeah. Right. So- Right, so amid all of this, Bobby does have one ally. Sid, apropos of nothing, has found out about all of this and decided to bail Bobby out. Um, literally and figuratively. And literally, because Bobby does get picked up and um, and she bails him out $2,500. And, you know, the greatest thing, though, I have to say about these scenes with Sid, you know, is like he... he like, he's like... Wait, where, where are my notes? I got my notes. Um, oh, I didn't put this in my notes. This is so weird. Oh, is oh yeah. Oh, I've really got happened? it. Now here, where Bobby keeps saying to Sid, I don't even know why you're here. And I'm yeah. like, neither do we. Yeah. We don't know why she's there either. 
I mean, it was like he just kept repeating it while she was at his house saying, um, oh, Bobby, you know, you've got to get out of here. The cops are coming. And why are you here? And, and then, you know, and then when she bails him out, Sid, why are you here? And we're, she's and I'm like, I have no idea. We, nobody knows why she's there. And writers sometimes do that, like to make up for the past, like because they didn't build a storyline up to just like accelerate the 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 foreplay, if you will, of it. Um, but there's no point because like there's also no real future for Sid and Bobby, as far as my memory tells me. Like it's not even like they're gonna end up together. And it's like, all right, well, they plucked Sid out of the blue to pair her with Bobby next. It's like I don't think that happens. So why does he even need this ally to like, like why Sid could just be like doing something with Michael and Kimberly instead. Why do we do this now? I mean, I guess they kind of, maybe they felt like they finally realized they were underusing her this season and they were like, let's just throw her into the mix and see what kind of trouble she can get into. But it's, it doesn't even feel like she's going to get into any trouble. Like there's really no trouble for her to get into. I don't think she does here. No. You know, Bobby's the one that's going to get in trouble. Yeah. You know, I mean, she has, like, this sort of, like, very sort of catty moment with Amanda. Um, but that's, I mean, that's kind of all it is. That's right. That is all it is. Um, you know, and so it's kind of like, is now she going after, like, Amanda's ex, be kind of like the way she went after Michael with Jane? Like, is this kind of, like, are we supposed to believe that this might be Sid's MO? She just likes men other, these other women have had. I don't, like, you, you know, it, it just... Yeah, but I don't really get that. I don't get there. that either. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. No. Like, it's cute because I think they actually have a nice dynamic together, but it serves no purpose. Right. Right. But we do get more Sid, which is always a good thing. Yeah. Regardless Anywhere of how we ridiculous can. Yeah. It, it is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um... Oh, so we got to deal with Billy and Allison before we yeah, can dig we can into do Peter that. and Alicia. Yeah, we can do that quick too, right? Yeah, because <laughs> um, God bless him. Uh, Billy is still acting like a loon uh, with his job, and he's so he's remember he's got that vodka guy. Yeah, the the um, Hans whatever Sprockets guy. Is back again. Yeah. And so he's he's landed him. He's the big account now. And Billy has dumped the rest of his tiny accounts on Allison's desk and says something really insulting to her. Like, well, you do really good with the small fries or something yeah, like that. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and so, and, and Allison basically is like, you've turned into Brooke. And, um. Yeah, I mean, they, they call it yeah yeah (laughs) we'll call it again later yeah right and so i was kind of like okay well all right there we go and that's setting something up um and so that's where we learn that billy is going to have dinner with mr sprockets and Amanda has now followed Billy to dinner. I don't know. Like, did they accidentally end up at the same restaurant as Billy and Sprockets? And why yeah. is Amanda having dinner with Peter? Yeah, they, Amanda is at dinner with Peter. And I don't think they knew. I think they happened to see Billy also there at the same restaurant. Okay. Because I couldn't figure out if, like, Amanda, like, followed him there. Because, you know, at one point Peter says to her, 
why do you keep staring at Billy's table? And Amanda is like, basically like, cause I want to see what he's up to because she doesn't trust him. And so Peter's like, well, I'll go find out for you. And just like goes up to the table and starts having this conversation. Well, it turns out Sprocket's guy, he convinces Sprocket's guy to invest $2 million into the cable company that Alicia now owns because Alicia told him that the only way she would not blackmail him and his relationship with Amanda, which uh, for you know, which is like whatever, the you know, weird thing, yeah, the weird thing that we can't figure out why she's why he's being blackmailed in the first place. Um, she's she says it'll cost him two million dollars. Exactly. So basically, he's got to give her two million dollars, and he doesn't have to marry her anymore. Yeah, just sigh all around with this. I mean, whatever, yeah. That's yeah. Right. That's it, right. It's like, it doesn't make any sense. So now he's found, you know, an ATM with Sprocket's exactly. guy. Um, who just thinks, I mean, you know, you figure this guy is like a vodka mogul. He, he must have a team of people, but apparently they just let him sign $2 million deals without the lawyers looking it over. Yeah, he kind of acts like a lone ranger here. Yeah, yeah. And so um, so he tells Billy that he's going to give him the finder's fate. But Billy's like, no, just give me the advertising. Right. So whatever. Smart. You know, whatever. Um, and, uh, yeah, Um so I think I think that that's what happened at the restaurant, right? We're, I didn't miss anything. That's that no, that's it. Okay. No mud wrestling this time. No mud wrestling. And um, okay, so what else we got here? Um, I can't remember where we are with these people. Does it even matter? No, it does. honestly with this one, it does not matter. Oh, because I mean, it's like. It's almost like choose your own adventure. It's it's like there's no sense of uh, motivation or backstory or anything here. It's like, oh, uh, Peter saw Alicia and wanted to make her jealous. Oh, Alicia decides she wants to marry Peter knowing he doesn't even love her and will blackmail him. Uh, they're going to blackmail Bobby. Um, Amanda decides that she loves Peter and trusts Peter implicitly. Like, it's just every episode they're just, like, starting over. Right. And so, I mean, basically, I guess the we do see Bobby have a temper with Alicia when he goes to meet, he, he goes to the old cable company. There is still no receptionist. He goes right into the office. They have words and he like basically throws her desk across the room or whatever the hell it is he did. And that's right before Sid comes in, right? Oh, so, and then Sid comes in. Yes. Yeah. Um, and she gets him out of there. She, I don't know why. And, um, yeah, and and I mean, I don't know. I guess I guess the one thing that I actually really enjoyed in this whole exchange between all of these characters was at the very very end when well, I don't even know at what point this came up, but where um Billy is with Allison and he says that did he basically says that his attitude, his changed attitude is all Brooke's ghost fault, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. She's like, what happened to you? He's like, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. Yeah. She says, try me. He's like, what if I told you the ghost of Brooke came to me and possessed me with her evil soul? And she goes, if those are the stories you've got to tell yourself then forget it, I don't want to hear you have to live with yourself. <laughs> Which I just loved it that we're finally, after how many episodes, bringing up that ridiculous ghost. The ghost. 
the ghost. So the ghost did it. It's the ghost's fault. Okay, you know what? I'm done with that story. I can't even anymore. And I, uh, yeah. Do you mean, like, to talk about it right now or, like, to keep watching it? Because either way, I understand. Yeah, we're done right now. Um, I don't even know... I, I don't even know what to do. Joe, Jane, Jake, and and Richard. Richard. I mean, Michael, Kimberly, and Betsy. I don't like. They're all awful. Let's okay. They are. They. This is exactly the thing. They are all terrible. Um, let's do Michael, Kimberly, Betsy, um, and then let's finish up with Joe, Jane, Jake, Richard. Okay. Well, but I, I have to. I have to tell you that is because that's the one that I think for me has like the gotcha thing and it's also the gotcha thing that didn't get me because i hated it so much so so let's close out with that <laughs> okay all right um yeah so basically sorry all of you who are listening along if you're keeping up with the show because just this part of season four blows yeah we're doing it but this is bad this is like painful it's so basically the- kimberly is still having issues with her multiple personalities um or second personality she is now betsy and one minute she's in love with michael and jumping his bones and the next minute um, she is holding a knife over his chest in the middle of the night while he's sleeping because she had sex with him. What? Yep. Doesn't make sense. Like they're trying to show like the yin and yang of, of like these two personalities. Um, but never at any point am I actually worried for Michael's safety here. But, and also I just don't get nor care any of this shit. Right. And the other thing that I don't understand is why does Betsy think this is dirty? They're married. Sure. sure. You know, I mean, yeah. it's like they have like they've turned her into like this prudish 50s housewife. But even prudish 50 housewives had sex with their husbands. Right. Well, we didn't see them in the same bed. So there's that. But yeah. Oh, uh, that's I mean, a good like, point. I mean, I mean, on TV, on in TV. real life, I didn't see any of them. But I digress. Okay. Okay, that's weird. Um, so she tries to go to Peter with this, um, and uh, is basically like, "I don't remember. I one day I woke up wearing clothes I don't remember buying, calling myself Betsy with a house full of Tupperware." And so, and so, and and he's like, and Peter's just like, "Oh, we'll just keep an eye on it." Like yeah. it, it was just yeah, but it's too- also yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole thing is weird, but it's also. Peter's storyline docket is already full. Like, we don't need him involved in this right now. Right. Save Peter for a different time in the show. Anyway, that's one of my minor problems with this. So, essentially, um, Kimberly slash, well, Betsy is so grossed out that Kimberly and Michael had sex on the sofa that she drags the sofa onto the beach and lights it on fire. And that's where you get the burning couch. Exactly. Michael happens to come home, right? Or I guess it's the morning after he sees it. Yeah, and that was the other thing. Melrose Place timelines made absolutely no sense. Like, Michael basically was working for, like, a week straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, what day is this? It's nighttime, it's daytime, Michael is coming in and out, and and it just made absolutely no sense. Um, But she, um, yeah, he he comes home and he's like, "Um, where's the couch? And she's like, "Oh, well, that was Sydney. That you were, you were in that sitting on that couch with Sid, so I bought a new one." Right, but then later he sees it. Yeah, then <laughs> right later he sees, he sees it. Out. it yeah. He sees the burn couch outside, and he's like, "What's this?" And she's like, "Oh, some kids were having a bonfire. I guess they left it behind." I'm, I, you know. Anyway, that's a stupid. Yeah, if you're if you're all wondering 
oh, what is this storyline? We don't know. And I just don't think the writers did either. Yeah. I think they're like, well, we have to make Kimberly crazy again. So it's a different kind of, less lethal kind of crazy we can make her. We'll give her a new split personality and we'll make her prudish. Um, okay. Yeah. and I, I mean, I'd rather just see her be like radio DJ therapist again. Yeah, I, that was actually way more interesting. All right, now we're on to Joe, Jane, Jake, and Richard. Yeah, so right now Jane is doing Richard a solid because Richard needs help career-wise, even though Jane is still the one working out of a garage, but whatever. And I can't tell, like, Joe and Jake, are they back on speaking terms? They seem to be, like, friends again. Friends who can probably, like, tell truths to each other again. Right, right. And so... Jake is basically, so Joe is getting drunk at Shooters. Jake is basically singing Jane's praises, and Joe is getting sick of hearing about St. Jane. Not right, and not because Jake is now with Jane, but because Joe's got the dirt on Jane, having, you know, set that, the, um, the modeling thing on fire. Right. And so Joe and Richard, are they, are they still together? Are Joe and Richard still together or are they apart? I can't keep track of this. I don't know where they are in their relationship. I don't think they have officially broken up, but I think he's been treating her so shittily that they're kind of on the outs. Okay. They are still on the outs. And so basically, um, yeah, so she doesn't, so Joe doesn't spill anything to Jake just yet. But then a few days later, Jake shows up at Joe's apartment and she finally shows the picture of Jane with the tiki torch. Yeah. And, and is basically like, you know, your girl did this. (laughs) Your girl did this. Look at what she did. And, and him basically being like, I don't even know who she is anymore. And, you know, again, it's sort of like this really quick jump to conclusions because, you know, instead of like confronting Jane about it or whatever, he is just going to take this at face value and then go do something completely destructive. Yeah. Which which he does. Which he does. And also there just hasn't been enough good stuff with Jane and Jake for me to even care that there might be like a fissure in their relationship at this point. Because to me, it's like still getting off the ground and still not feeling any chemistry. So I'm kind of like, all right, yeah, Jane's going through a lot of shit and doing dumb things, Jake. So just leave her. I don't care. And they, but they keep bringing up the L word with each other. Like these two are yeah. like, I love you. They I can, love you. They can say it all they want. This is like among the falsest relationships I've seen on the show. Of all of them, you know, playing like, you know, bed hopping with each other. Right. So they're all, they all end up going to some sort of, I don't know, weird retail industry party and Jane is sort of flitting around. Jake is just at the bar getting drunk. Um, he has words with Jane basically. And she is like, Jake, go home. You're drunk. And then he meets, um, a girl at the bar, Yeah, you know, and he's kind of in, he kind of kicked Jane to the curb, uh, at this point. 
you know, he, he kind of is sort of like, we're not together anymore. And she, but she won't listen to it. And she's like, well, we'll, we'll talk about this tomorrow. Yeah. She's so, like, but, you're drunk, go home. We'll t- yeah. 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 And so it's like this weird thing where like, they're kind of broken up, but they kind of really aren't broken up. And so when this, you know, young and sultry Chiquita moves up to Jake at the bar and hands him her room key and he goes up to the room, meets her up in the room and, and has this affair. And it's sort of like the, the very, the, the one thing that she, he says or something like that is like, you know, no strings attached. And she is like, absolutely, you know, basically like, absolutely not. Right. So again, if we're talking consistency, this is not a thing Jake would do, even drunk Jake, which like, first of all, physically he probably couldn't do because he was pretty drunk. But, um, also like Jake is not that much of a jerk. I mean, I get like he was he was playing so drunk and like honestly like at the bar he like with the scene with him and Jane he had like five shots and like you know kept downing beer and I was like watching him get on that elevator going oh man I'd barf if I was in that I elevator. Know, <laughs> I, know. I was like I couldn't do this. <laughs> I was like ooh if I was getting an elevator after all that oh I don't know and then he's like in the room with her and I'm like ooh he might throw up on her. <laughs> Like, that's how much, like, that's how drunk he was, you know? He was really, really far gone. But, like, in the way that, like, on TV, it's, like, they make it look like you can pound a thousand drinks and then you just fake a, a bad hangover the next morning. Yeah. No, like, yeah. this was, like, like he, Jake, yeah. Jake yeah. was really drunk. Yeah, Jake was super drunk, and I kept thinking he was going to get sick, but apparently he didn't. And then, oh. essentially, Jane shows up the next day to shooters. He's fine. He doesn't seem hungover at all. And is like, I lost control. I was out of my mind. I didn't know what I was doing. I love you. I'll never lie to you again. And Jake's like, okay, I love you too. And then, and then it's like, they're back together. Yeah. Happy again. Happy again. Although Jake did look guilty. Yeah. 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 Like Jake was basically like in his mind seeming, I was the wrong one here. I cheated just now. So I'm going to forget about the bad thing that I know Jane did. We move on. Right. And I'm going to forget about the bad thing I did. Well, no, Jake, you can't. can't. Because when the next scene, he goes to the garage, the garage office, <laughs> Jane's office, and it looks like they're about to get it on on top of the drafting table. And Jane's like, no, no, we can't. We're not alone. And he's like, what are you talking about? Meet my new assistant. And we have met her already. We met her one scene earlier. Jake knows the assistant <laughs> in the carnal sense. Yes, biblically. She yes. is the same one that Jake just had the drunk one night stand with yes, the drunk at the hotel. Yes. And so, but, 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 true to her word, Miss Assistant um, plays it off like she's never met Jake before in her life. But you know this will not end well for Jake. Of course not. Unless the writers forgot about the, that this even happened. In of course they might. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. So... And that's it. And that's it. Shitty story after shitty story after shitty storyline. <laughs> I mean, okay. The good news is in all that is that we are at episode 25. We are nearly there. One, two, three, yeah. four, five, six. We have got seven more episodes until the end of this dreadful season. And keep in mind, the last episode of the season is a double episode. So... It's going to be doubly so, awful, is what you're saying. Um, That actually wasn't what I was going to say, and yet it is, quite frankly, the truth. <laughs> um... <laughs> 
yeah, this is a bad finale. There's still more bad story turns to come. So, you know, as I watched it in real time, and I really thought that Brooke's death is when the show jumped the shark. Um, in hindsight, I think season five does get a little bit better. Um, and so I think right now, like, we're really in the doldrums of the show because it does pick itself up a little bit. But um, this is a real slog. It's a real half-season-long slog that we're not done with yet. I know. It's extra. Like, I mean, the other seasons had their the episodes that were shit, right? Like, it had shit episodes in, in the other seasons. You know, the, the, this is not like watching The Sopranos. This is not, like, or, or even, like, you know, Desperate Housewives. Like, it's not, but... But we still had a lot, like, there's still a lot of fun for the most part in those other seasons. That's one of, that's one of the key things. These, well, first of all, even when there was a bad episode or a bad subplot, like, it wasn't like every subplot in any given episode was bad. Part of that, I think, is because they were always utilizing Sydney more. But also, it's, these stories are not fun and feel labored. So it's like, even if it was messy, I could deal with it if it was fun. They've strayed away from camp, and they're just doing outrageousness, which is different and not entertaining. Right, because I mean, I don't see the, I don't see this whole Alicia Peter thing with her being like, you have to marry me, and like that doesn't make any sense. Like, there's just it, you know, for me too is like there's just so much of it that's not only bad, but it also doesn't make any sense. It's like yeah. leaving me scratching my. And if there was some sort of payoff at the end, like you're just like, okay, just keep rolling with it, you know, because at the end we're gonna have this great payoff. Right. I, and I know that we're not going to, you know, there is no payoff. There's no way, or even if there was a payoff, it wouldn't. Like it just wouldn't be big enough for the horror that they've inflicted on me this year. I mean, I mean, truly, the pain and the horror of the this horror, season, the horror. I, it's just, it's just really, really bad. I won't argue with you. Yes. Yeah, and Lisa Renna cannot get here fast enough. Yeah, I mean, again, I didn't love season five as much as I love, say, two and three. So when we rewatch these, I'll be curious to see if I like it a bit more. In I just know, I just know I hate this part of season four so much. Right, right. So to be continued next week, um, where we'll probably keep bitching. Yeah, yeah. I think we might have some big things happening next week, but I can't remember for sure. Okay. Um, in the meantime, guys, visit us on Facebook, Back on the Block Pod. Let us know if you're suffering as well. Um, not, not like from anything, you know, health related, right? COVID nineteen show, watching, <laughs> show yeah. watching related, um, or 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 are you enjoying this season more? I mean, look, you know, this is just, I, I'm just, maybe there are people out there that think season four is the best season of Melrose. Yeah, you'd be. Yeah, insane. if you are, I, I sure hope you're watching along with us because uh, you have a lot to school us in. Yeah, because I would actually love to know if if somebody out there is absolutely mad about season four and loves it and thinks we're completely off base, please tell us why, because I would really love to hear what you are loving about this. Cause I'm not loving it at all. Yeah. Let us know. We would love to hear a different perspective. Quite frankly, it would make me enjoy it even slightly more yeah. just knowing someone else someone did. Else, somebody enjoyed this. Um, 
and follow us over to Hollywood Boulevard where you, Doug's got some TV shit to talk about, right? You got some TV stuff. You read a book. I have TV and books things to say. Which, uh, which we Oh, you know what? And I have a music thing to say. I have such a, a plethora of things to say. So we, follow us over. So we'll, we'll be talking shit over there. Um, so we'll see you um, on, on the boulevard. Bye.